apologize in advance for my voice. I got sick yesterday and uh, too late, I think, to uh, have anybody else come. But I, I feel okay. My voice just sounds pretty bad. <clears throat> I don't know how much you like roller coasters. I love roller coasters. I really do. Now, I've been playing a game lately called Trivia Crack. Y'all know what Trivia Crack is? I mean, anything that has the name Crack, you need to know is going to be an obsessive kind of thing. And uh, in this game, you have all kinds of questions about all kinds of different uh, endeavors, disciplines. And in Trivia Crack this week, I had a question, when is the, the gravitational pull most great on a roller coaster? Is it at the top of the first hill? Is it at the bottom? I skipped it, so I don't know. I didn't, I didn't get the answer. I just, you know, I had some points, so I skipped it, didn't answer it. But I love roller coasters. I, I've, I've been to a lot of the roller coasters across the country, and I, I love riding them. Uh, I used to have a partner. Josh used to be my partner riding roller coasters until we had, we had a bad experience on one uh, that made him kind of sick. Um, so that never happens to you. So now I have nobody to ride roller coasters. So if you want to ride roller coasters, come see me after the service. I don't like that we often ride a spiritual roller coaster. As we've come to the end of the study in the story of the Old Testament this week, with week 21, if nothing else, we've seen that the Old Testament is a story of people being at the peak, that is, they're close to God and and they, they're thinking about spiritual things, they're, they're on fire for God, and then the valleys where they're more complacent, they're more apathetic about their relationship with God. And we see over and over in this Old Testament that when they're on fire, when they're, they're honoring God and when they're blessing God, then God honors and blesses them. In fact, Scripture tells us that God honors those who honor Him. But when they get complacent and apathetic, when they stop doing the things God wants them to do or, or they start doing things God doesn't want them to do, then bad things happen in their life. Judgment, negative consequences happen in their life. Now today, perhaps you've come here and you're uh, relatively high in your spiritual walk. And I hope that's true. Um, congratulations to you if you are. But maybe... Uh, you're not so much. Maybe it's more, uh, when I talk about the complacency, maybe that's where you find yourself. The good news I have for you is, is God's Word gives us a way, I think, to not just uh, go back up the hills, but I, I think to smooth out the roller coaster. Uh, throughout the church tradition, the Christian tradition, uh, we've had something called revivals. Uh, we... I think less and less have those, and maybe that's a good thing, because I think revival should not have to be scheduled for us. I think revival should not have to be something we consciously plan for ourselves. I think the goal is for us to constantly be in a state of, of life, a state of passion, a state of on fire for God. And today, we've come to the book of Nehemiah. As we finish up the Old Testament. Now, chronologically, it describes events that were the last uh, in that Old Testament period before the coming of Jesus. From the events of, of Nehemiah, uh, there is about a 400 year gap till the birth of Jesus, which we'll talk about next week. But the book of Nehemiah tells us of 
of the endeavors of a man named Nehemiah who begins, as we begin the book, he's a servant in Persia, but he becomes part of the third wave of Israel, Israelites to come back to the promised land. Remember, they'd been judged, they'd been taken away by the Babylonians in what's called the exile because of their lack of faith, their unfaithfulness, because they got complacent, apathetic about their walk with God. God took away their homeland. Well, Nehemiah's part of the third wave back uh, to the promised land. And you remember, Ezra led the rebuilding of the temple, the, the physical dwelling place of God. Well, Nehemiah's call, in fact, he in chapter 1 weeps because the, the walls of his city are in such bad shape. Now, for ancient cities, walls are very important. Walls were a source of protection. Walls were a source of security. If you, your city didn't have its walls, then you lived in a state of constant peril. You, you lived in a state of constant fear that your enemies, people who wanted to do evil to you, might come in and invade. So in the, a period of 52 days, if you read through the book of Nehemiah, it's really an amazing story. They face a lot of persecution, but in 52 days, they come together, rebuild all the walls around the city of Jerusalem. It's a, a ma magnificent and amazing accomplishment. And toward the end of that, as they get the walls completed, in Nehemiah chapter 8, we see this amazing story, uh, what I would call a recipe for revival. Now, I'm saying that to you so that you might not understand that we're not going to have periods, hopefully, <laughs> like the Israelites where we, we don't pay attention to God, but hopefully we can see here some principles as we see this amazing story in Nehemiah chapter 8, we can see some principles that will keep us on the peaks constantly, that we don't have to go through those periods of complacency and apathy. So let's look at that together, Nehemiah chapter 8, and first we see revival comes when we analyze the word with our minds, when we analyze the word with our minds. Now, I'm talking a lot about God's Word here. God's Word in Scripture applies both to the written Word, the Bible. It also applies to Jesus, the living Word. The written Word reveals to us the character and knowledge of Jesus, the living Word. And it is together, as the Word reveals to us Jesus, that we have a relationship with Him. And as the Holy Spirit comes to dwell inside of us, that helps us to understand and to interpret the scripture, uh, this passage is one that, uh, this chapter 8 is one of my favorite chapters in all the Bible. It's a big reason I became what's known as an expository preacher. Uh, someone who takes, every message is based in the word of God. It's, it's based in the Bible. It's not my opinions. It's not my philosophies. I, I take a passage from the word and try to help you understand what it meant to the original audience and then try to help all of us apply it in our daily living. What this says is if we, we set about in our life to analyze uh, the word with our minds, it's going to keep us alive. It's going to keep us passionate about God uh, as we undergo this period of, of Bible study. Now, notice what happens as we begin this chapter. All the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. Uh, they told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of Moses which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate 
in the presence of the men, women, and others who are going to stand out. There's a couple of things that are amazing about this. One, from daybreak to noon, about six hours, they, they're standing and listening. They say at the beginning there, bring us the book. Now, what's the book we're talking about? It's the first five books of the Old Testament, the Torah, we call it. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. <laughs> I, I don't know about you, but I'd have a hard time standing up through Leviticus. <laughs> Leviticus is like the written sedative of the Bible. You know, I have to be really awake and on, on, you know, up in Adam to, to read Leviticus without not falling asleep. Uh, but they, because they have been through this period of the desert, if you will, they've been through this period of exile, they've been and seen what it's like to be far from God, now they want the Word of God. They want to hear the Word of God. They come together and understand the words of God teach us about the relationship we can have with God. And the words of God are central to our worship of Him. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra the teacher stood on a high platform, high wooden platform built for the occasion. Beside him on his right stood Mattatiah, Shema, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Messiah. And on his left were Padiah, Mishael, Malkijah, Hashem, Hashbadanah, and Zechariah, and Meshulam. Part of the way the thing I studied uh, to be able to teach you about the Bible was how to pronounce all those Hebrew names. I don't recommend you take those and name your kids those. <laughs> Hashbadanah. But Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God. And all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. <clears throat> the Levites, Yeshua, Abani, Sherebiah, Yamin, Akub, Shabbatai, Hodiah, Messiah, Kalita, Azariah, Yozabad, Hanan, and Peliah, instructed the people in the law while their people were standing there. So they kind of had uh, little small groups going on, or, or Bible classes. I envision this, the Levites were, you know, they spread out, and they were, each were teaching a, a group of the people <clears throat> while the people were standing there. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so the people understood what was being read. That is expository teaching or preaching. So, they are understand. They see it as important to have an understanding of the Word of God. In their case, the first five books of the Old Testament. But now we can understand it for ourselves, as it is crucial for us. If we're not going to ride the spiritual roller coaster, it is crucial for us to make a regular habit of Bible study, of hearing and knowing the words of God. So, several thoughts about that. As a person thinks, he or she is. <clears throat> As a person thinks, he or she is. Uh, it's crucial for us to understand that principle. The things we surround ourselves with, they tend to, to lead our thought patterns. That tends, tends to guide our thought patterns. You know, at school, as you have classes, you probably think about those classes even at, when you're not there at school. Your friends... Uh, they, as you interact with them, uh, you start thinking perhaps in ways like they do. 
the things that you have around them, that your environment guides your thought patterns. <clears throat> well, like that, as you become a regular student of God's Word, as you start to devote yourself to the Bible, to understanding it, maybe even to memorizing it, then it, it becomes a predominant thought pattern in your life. My kids have said to me over and over through the years, why you got to quote that scripture to us? Well, the reason I quote scripture to them all the time is because that's the way I think, because I spend a lot of time reading it and studying it and, and memorizing it. Well, amazing story it was from a World War, or excuse me, a Vietnam War prisoner from America who had, in his youth, had taken and memorized huge chunks of the Bible. And when he was interviewed and asked how was it that he stayed strong through the, those years of horrible captivity in the North Vietnamese prison camp, he said it was because they couldn't take away the knowledge of God's Word because it was in my head. I didn't have a Bible with me, but it was in my head. As a person thinks, he or she is. As we discipline ourselves, and devote ourselves to understanding and knowing God's Word. We don't just do it out of duty. That We see the importance of desire here. The people say to Ezra, bring us the book. They will stand for six hours at a time to listen. They have a desire to know. We live in an amazing age where it's easier for us to understand and study the Bible than it was for them. Many of these people probably couldn't read. Many of these people uh, were illiterate in that sense. They had to have somebody else read to them and to teach them. But for us today, most of us can read. But even if you can't read the multitude of English translations that there are for the Bible, there are all kinds of translations from the, the King James to the New Living Translation to the Message. You, you can find a translation i think that that makes sense to you but even more you can get audio the bible on tape on dvd or, or excuse me cd where you can listen to it uh, on the ipod you can listen to it <clears throat> we can have the word as much as we want it in whatever format we want it absolute crucial to this process is we desire <clears throat> to know the teachings of God. We desire to know the principle of God. We see that here that they have for these days immersion in the words of God. <clears throat> so also I think it's crucial for us. And thirdly, I, I think about as I think about analyzing the word with our minds, Bible study is a lifelong process. It's a lifelong process. You might read something or hear something today that you have no idea what it means in, in the Scripture. But I guarantee you as you make a habit of, of surrounding yourself, of immersing yourself in the Word of God, as you make a habit of studying the Bible with other people, as you make a habit of coming to church and hearing the Word faithfully taught and spoken to you, I, I tell you that there will be a cumulative building of knowledge where you understand more and more the character the the personality of God and his son Jesus Christ you also will have develop within you this cumulative understanding now the amazing thing about the word of God is you you have a Bible study process like this is is that over time 
you read a passage that you've read before, and you read it, and, and because you're a different person than you used to be, you get a different, a new like light bulb moment, uh, insight that comes on, and where you're able to, to see some, some other aspect uh, as you've matured in the faith. Uh, friends, if you don't get a lot of the Bible now, I encourage you to keep studying, keep listening to it, because it will grow this 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 uh, cumulative knowledge will grow this growth of your spirit will take place the bible says the holy spirit works with the word the the the, the sword of the spirit is the bible they work together to, to grow us in our relationship to god uh, but it takes that dedication that discipline to it <clears throat> now we go from them standing and hearing the word of god read to their reaction to it you see, revival comes not just when we analyze the word with our minds, but also as we uh, accept the word with our hearts, as we accept it with our hearts. <clears throat> Verses 9 through 12. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and teacher of the law, and the Levites were instructing the people, said to them all, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites calmed all the people, saying, be still, for this is a holy day. Do not grieve. Then all the people went away to eat and to drink, to send portions of food and to celebrate with great joy, because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. We live in an era, an age of information overload. Because of that, it's, it's sometimes hard to get through to our hearts because we have so much information coming at us. You know, I, I received a, a great compliment this week. Uh, somebody was telling me that they had talked to somebody that had been coming to our, our church for a little while, and they said, we've been to other churches and, and listened, and, but, but your preacher, he gets to me. Now, I don't think that's anything special about me. I think that's because I try to preach the word. The Bible says of itself it's sharper than a two-edged sword. It divides and speaks to where we are in life. Friends, it's very easy, and perhaps the reason we feel down on our roller coaster of spiritual health is because we've become hardened to the word. Here, they hear these words. And they grieve. They start weeping. I think, one, because they feel guilty. They feel bad about their lives that they haven't honored God. They haven't done what he wanted them to do. But I also think they feel, they grieve because they know that they, they've displeased. They, they've hurt God. They've given him pain. Owning our sin, it's absolutely essential <clears throat> for us to grow in our relationship. Owning our sin on a regular basis, absolutely essential. Allowing God's word not only to, apply, to come to our, our minds, but also to apply it, to take it, and let it affect our hearts. But I also want to make it clear to you that I don't think God means for us 
to own our sin and to stay in it. He doesn't mean for us to own our sin and to continually carry this great burden of guilt and shame. The same Old Testament tells us that as far as the east is from the west, God forgives our sin. As we come to God and confess and repent of our sin, as we own it, then God removes the culpability for it. How I read this, how I think we need to approach it, and, and as our, the Bible intersects with our hearts, we need to grieve for what has been. We need to grieve for what we've done in the past that hasn't pleased God. But we are not to stay there. We're also to rejoice for what can be. We're to rejoice for what can be. You cannot change yesterday. You can't change anything you've done up to these moments that we have right now. But you sure can have the, the future be different than the past, beginning with today. Notice that's what they say. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, joy is different from just happiness. Joy is, is having a confidence. It's having a, a feeling of closeness to God. It's having a feeling of optimism, of knowing that God is going to take care of you. Even when bad things happen to you, you still can be joyful. You still can be strong and stand up to whatever comes. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Grieve for what has been, but rejoice for what can be. Thirdly, I think you see here, a third key in revival is to apply the word with our actions. To apply the word with our actions. Verse 13, <clears throat> on the second day of the month, the heads of all the families, along with the priests and the Levites, gathered around Ezra the teacher to give attention to the words of the law. They found written in the law, which the Lord had commanded through Moses, that the Israelites were to live in temporary shelters during the festival of the seventh month. Basically, they're there to camp out for a week. At the festival of the seventh month, they should proclaim this word and spread it throughout their towns and in Jerusalem. Go out into the hill country and bring back branches from olive and wild olive trees and from myrtles, palms, and shade trees to make temporary shelters, as it is written. So the people went out and brought back branches and built themselves temporary shelters on their roofs in the courtyards and the courts of the house of God and in the square by the water gate, and the one by the gate of Ephraim. The whole company that had returned from exile built temporary shelters and lived in them. Now, listen, they, they had had this teaching. It's found in the book of Leviticus. They had had this teaching for 1,600 years. From the days of Joshua, son of Nun, which was about 1,000 years before this, the Israelites had not celebrated it like this. And their joy was very great. Day after day, from the first day of the last, Ezra read from the book of the law of God. They celebrated the festival for seven days. And on the eighth day, in accordance with the regulation, there was an assembly. Uh, they still do Jewish people celebrate what's called the Feast of Booths or Tabernacles. It is meant, if you read Leviticus, it was meant to remind them uh, as their ancestors had traveled through the desert the exodus with no permanent dwelling as they built temporary shelters every day 
It was meant to remind them that God was their protector, God was their provider, and that God would continue to protect and provide for them if they were faithful to him. So they read in that big assembly about the festival of booze, and they take it to heart. They put it into practice, not just out of duty, and they have more joy than they've ever had. They hadn't celebrated like this for a thousand years. Here's the problem. Sometimes the reason, if we're honest, we ride the roller coaster spiritually is because we just do stuff because we're supposed to. Not truly engaging in it. Now, I'm not telling you today because the new covenant has come and taken away the expectations of the old. I'm not telling you every September or October you need to go out and build a, a tent out back and live in it for seven days. But as we transition to the New Testament, you see that it teaches us that there are things we're to do in our spiritual walk every day, every week, that God, I think, wants us to do not just out of duty. He wants to apply these words and see the fruit of obedience come up in our lives. God wants us to come together and to have the Lord's Supper together. That's why we do that every week as we gather and worship. God wants us to come and pray together. God wants us to come and talk about the Bible and learn it together. God wants us to take the spiritual gifts that he gives us to, and to use those in serving and ministering to others. God wants us to take the knowledge of the word and as we've, applied, as we've accepted it with our hearts, he wants us to then take it and produce fruit, obedience in others. I think it's very difficult to be on the downside, uh, in the valley of a spiritual walk, if you're obeying God, if you're embracing the, the steps, uh, the actions that God wants you to in your life. Happy Christians are serving Christians. Our, uh, our service leads to productivity. It is not enough just to know the words, but to be living them in our lives, I think has a way of keeping us close to God and keeping us in a, in a, a passionate, an on-fire place in our spiritual walk. It's his will, not ours, that becomes primary for us, that becomes our mantra every day. His will, not ours. His will, not ours. You know, I gave in this past summer, and uh, I, I know I've read before, you should have a physical examination every year after you turn 50. Well, I just turned 52, so I skipped a year. I waited till 51, till Beth guilted me into going. What is a physical for? It's to go and, and have them check your blood work and check different um, tests, do different tests so that you can see if there's anything wrong with you physically that might become a problem so that you maybe can stop something preventatively. So you have a physical examination. I guess I'll go back this summer. You have a physical examination every year to, to, assess, to assess your health. You know, I, how important I think it might be for us to think of our life in that way, spiritually. Instead of a physical examination every summer, maybe it'd be good for us to have a, a spiritual 
examination every day, every week. Where are you today? If you were to take a spiritual examination. See, God wants us to draw close to him. And he promises us he'll draw close to us. If you draw close to him, he'll draw close to you. Maybe to this moment it hasn't seemed a priority to study God's word, to accept God's word, to apply God's word. But I assure you, it is the way to a blessed and productive life. It is the way to be joyful. It is the way to have and to make a difference. Spiritual examination, maybe that's where we are today. Fathers, we think about these things. I pray that you would revive us. Some of us maybe are, are pretty pretty strong right now in our spiritual walk. I, I praise you. I thank you for that. Others of us, may we hear the challenge to change things. I'm so grateful, Father, that you don't give up on any of us. I know when I've been weak in my faith, you've been patient. And when I came back, you honored my faith. I think and know that you can revive all of us. I pray that, that that's happening right now. If there's sin we need to confess, we're confessing it because we've owned it. If there's obedience that's lacking, we would leave this place determined to apply your words. I thank you, Father, for your teaching us. Help us to, uh, I pray, to get off the roller coaster. Help us to, to become more steady, more faithful every day. As we grow in relationship to you, I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. It's ministry time. If you have a decision to make, maybe it is to become a Christian, we'd love to help you. Maybe it is to join us formally here at Northside, we'd love to help you with that. But I think it's obvious that application uh, response is all, for all of us today what what is God trying to teach us through these words let's stand together and sing if you have a public decision please come